With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Turnbuckles. I'm John Reinman, and my favorite series finale is the ending to Mad Men. I'm Tommy Rico, and my favorite series finale was Cheers and the subsequent Tonight Show with Jay Leno when the entire cast of Cheers was pissed drunk on live television. I'm Julie Harrison-Harney, and my favorite series finale is the ending to Mary Tyler Moore. Ah, long road to Tipperary. But enough about endings, we're just beginning. Let's get to the Raw Recap. Raw Recap. Okay, now I know in our outline it says we're going to start with a judgment day, but no, I have to get uh, right to this. Um, I just want to make sure you guys saw the Dexter Loomis Miz vignette that aired last night. Okay, Julie hasn't seen it yet. Tom, did you see it? I did, and um, yeah, not impressed. I did see it. Was this the one where he was in the house with the the caricature cartoon holding up through the window? Is that the vignette you're talking about? Let's walk people through it. So I just want to preface this by saying I'm coming to you from uh, work right now, which means I'm looking across the street, actually, at my old dormitory from college here in Boston, the very same room where I watched uh, the infamous Katie Vick angle. And I think that's highly appropriate. Uh, because I understand that, uh, it's being creative is very hard. I understand that ideas on paper often look a lot better than they actually come out. Um, to use a phrase that Bruce would use sometimes when people would pitch really crazy ideas. Um, I thought that was a uh, goofy as shit. And I'm going to say that, uh, since I first started watching the then WWF, now WWE, back in 1991, aside from the Katie Vick, uh, that might be the dumbest shit I've ever seen. And I just mean in the sense that it was an angle that had so much potential. And boy, did that kill it. For I don't care what happens with this now. I just hope they stop. I'm going to walk people through it. So. Uh, Dexter Loomis has been stalking Miz, and this began a few weeks ago, and it was very, very promising, the way that the Miz was abducted. But then, as we noted, a couple nights later, Miz was on Celebrity Family Feud. That made me laugh. So you kind of run into a bit of a problem where it's like, hmm, how can Miz be on TV if he's been abducted? Okay, they address that. The next night, Miz is back, and he just doesn't want to talk about it. So it's it's like kind of weirdly more captivating where it's like, Hmm, I wonder where this is going to go. So this keeps happening. What three weeks in a row where Miz comes back, doesn't want to talk about it. And Dexter Loomis abducts him. And so last night they go to the home. It's uh, it's Miz and Reese's house. <laughs> well, holy shit. Who knows what's going to happen? So right off the bat, right off the bat, Dexter Loomis is visible peeking in the window of the house. And it doesn't even really look like Dexter Loomis. It kind of looks like one of the cardboard cutouts from Home Alone when Kevin's trying to scare away the the burglars. You know, it's just kind of slides into the frame and then he slides back out. You know, I didn't uh, notice that, actually. It's the very first thing. Like right away, I was like, oh, there he is. It was like when you get a Where's Waldo and you're like, oh, I'm going to have some fun. Nope, there he is. He was spectacularly lit for someone who was outside the house. Yeah, he apparently brings his own lighting crew to abduct people. I don't know. Maybe that's an, an industry now. And so then he just keeps popping up in windows around the house. And it, it becomes less like a WWE vignette. And it becomes more like a do not destroy sketch from SNL. Julie, you remember our friends, John and Ben. And it felt like a do not destroy, a do not destroy sketch 
that uh, Lauren walked up to them and said, um, how are you guys doing with the sketch? And they said, it's not quite right. He says, um, the band got sick. I need to run something at 1250. And they just slide it in. And it felt like an unfinished sketch. And so I'm going to get to sketches in a second. So then the kids come and they run in the frame. And I'm like, is Dexter Loomis going to run through the window and take the kids? Because, hey, it's going to heighten roots, TV 14. And the kids go, oh, and they run to bed. So then Ms. and Maurice leave for a premiere. What premiere? It's not specified. But as we all know, on Monday nights, a lot of movie premieres, I guess. And so it's a great night to go to the movies. And so they go outside and uh, leave the kids. By the way, it's never addressed who's watching the kids. <laughs> is Dexter Loomis the babysitter? That's, that's, that's what my I'm question. thinking. What a swerve. I'm like, if you're going to write yourself out of this with a ba-da-ba-ba-da-bump, then great. I'm with you. Uh, so I'm like, wow, what a turn that would be. I don't want to talk about it. That your babysitter is Dexter Loomis. I wouldn't <laughs> want to talk about it either. You kids, it's horrible. So then they go and they get in the car. Maybe, oh, you know what? You might have just solved it because they get in the car and they leave. And then it cuts back to the camera and uh, or cuts back to the window. And Dexter Loomis is there and he's turning, he's drawing, he's writing something. I'm thinking, oh, he's going to write a note saying I was here. He's going to write, I was, I was in the room. He didn't know. And he turns it up and instead he has uh, a Bert the Chimney Sweep drawing from Mary Poppins of, of Ms. Maurice and their kids. It was the guy that hangs out down at Battery Park drawing pictures of you and your buddies and the tourists. And he has a picture that he drew in that and so I guess the big reveal is that Miz is the children's babysitter and he's very, very skilled at drawing. And that's that's the end of the storyline right there. Well, Dexter Once Loomis. again, Nathan Fielder booking Monday night. We booked a pay-per-view ending and Monday Night Raw. And I'm, I, there you go. There were so many it. problems, just so many problems with this. Um, I didn't Tell me, mind. can you remind I mean, me? It was, that, that Dexter Loomis is the baby face in this, right? That he's the baby. Do we know Miz at this is... point? <laughs> no. And that's where, I mean, you can start there as the biggest problem is that who's the face, who's the heel, what's going on? Uh, you know, why are we supposed to care about either of these people? Did Maurice um, even seem like she'd run, done a run through? I felt bad for Maurice. It really seemed like she was ad-libbing out there. Like, I was like, I don't think she was given because as Tom, as you brought up earlier, we were having a chat on Slack that, you know, English, not a first language for, for many people from French, French uh, Canada. And uh, so a French Canadian, like Maurice, not her first language. So they, it kind of just felt like, Hey, yeah. So I know you're going to see a guy popping in and out of your windows. Pretend you don't see him just like the rest of this crew. No one on the film crew is going to say, Hey, there's Dexter in the background. Just pretend he's not there. And then uh, uh, what am I supposed to say in response? Just say you're going to a premiere and just hop in a car. And, it, and that's it. We'll, we'll fill it. We'll fill in the blanks. Yeah. It felt like she was walking into the living room and someone handed her a script and was like, okay, just pretend this is happening. And like, two and minutes she before said, this started. doesn't make much sense. And they said, yeah, just do it. Well, so I would have, I would have forgiven the uplighting on Dexter Loomis's face outside of the home. Cause I mean, that can be, creepy and obviously you have to show you have a he's cell out phone. there i got my phone right here i can yeah i can see i'll do it right here or he could have had a mag light you know doing that telling the ah, spooky stories ah, yeah look at this everybody he could Dexter have been telling Loomis. spooky stories around the, on my phone around the campfire he but the unforgivable sin here is inside the home dexter loomis this is the last thing that we show has a completely it looked like um if you ever Google images for coloring pages, and <laughs> if you looked up the coloring pages for Mrs. Family, and it looked like that, it was just this perfectly drawn, so, so the camera could catch exactly who it was. I mean, if it was a crudely drawn, like, picture, you stick figures with X's where the eyes would be, like, something like that would have been at least mildly creepy. But then, again, we have the commentary team no-selling that this is a... a they a just said, like, can you believe the craziness abduction? going on in that house? <sighs> anyway, good luck to those kids. No one cares about, yeah, no one cares about these poor children left yeah. alone in the house. What is happening? Julie, you brought it up before, and it's something that I, you know, I was there less time than you, but learned, you learned very quickly. Vince was a very big action reaction guy, and there was just no follow through. And it was so many, like, it was just, so the kids are ta- the kids who are young have no babysitter. That's fine. 
So it's like, I need security to watch me and go to the thing. No babysitter though. We don't need a babysitter. Costs a lot of money. And then uh, Dexter Loomis was able to, in what, five seconds? Like I said, draw a Jim Davis quality Garfield drawing of the Mizanins. The only way this could have been saved is if they closed Monday Night Raw with the Mizanins coming back to their home and they're, they're greeted by their daughters like, oh, how was it? Oh, Uncle Dexter took good care of us. Yes. Why, that, that, why do I have to come again, up with where's that? where's the babysitter? Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, I think that Dexter Loomis is an idea. He's a concept that they haven't fully fleshed out. And that's a huge problem. I, I really think they looked at him. They're like, that guy looks like a psycho. Let's make him a psycho. But mm-hmm. so if he's a stalker, kidnapper, what's the most notable other stalker angle in WWE history? Diamond that Dallas would be Page. Diamond Dallas Page, DDP, the people's champion of WCW over like Rover, comes over to WWF in the invasion angle and unmasks as a stalker who has been stalking the undertaker and his ex-wife then then wife at the time sarah and it just killed ddp it murdered him it was one of the they, they literally killed this guy that they could have made money with the second he walked into the company yep. so if that's your model for success it's already the shits i mean wh- where are you gonna it go with this a- it had such potential. It was such a great, the way they kicked it off and the way they swerved it away from, you know, AJ Styles, as Julius talked about, smart dude. And when he pulls out of an angle, that should tell you something. And he pulled out <laughs> of that angle. So maybe that should have been our warning sign, but it looked really good with Miz. That was really compelling when they pulled Miz through the crowd. Really well done. And I was into it. And as we talked about, Miz is the perfect guy. And I was like, this is a real, this feels like a 97, 96, 97. We're just starting to get rolling here with less edgier content. And uh, well, and John, let's rewind one week back because that's where the angle unraveled. We yeah. didn't talk about raw much last week because raw last week was the absolute shits. It was well, one hey, of the worst raws until this week. But that angle, gonna, that, that the, cage the angle. Episode, the overall episodes I didn't think was, were too bad, but to put that much emphasis on this storyline, which doesn't build. No. It's, you can't just go to a new location and say, see, it's different. Nope, same old shit. It's just, it's just Dexter Loomis hanging out, and now I think he's Jerry the King Lawler and can draw really good pictures. Yeah, really I quick. mean, maybe he's just a really big fan of Mr. and Ms. And, oh, and, God. And oh, Ms. no, Ms. don't and, tell me and that. And he has some fan be. art. And he really just wants to talk to him and see him. And, oh, and no. he's been following him on Twitter. And he's just, maybe he's just a huge fan. Julie, the whole thing was a crummy commercial. <laughs> That's what this is. Oh, my God. That's like when you, you, so many shows nowadays, like comedy variety, they'll do a bit and then it'll end up being an ad for something. You know what I mean? And they'll be like, and you know, just realize, oh, this was a commercial. Please don't make that be this. I, mean, I assumed they, bought, they were and going that, to the premiere of. Mr. and Ms. Or the Ms. Marine Eight, hasn't it? Huh? He's on after Raw for a bunch of weeks. Yeah, it's Question. coming. It's coming back. For, I don't know, actually. I really don't. I just didn't think that the "Don't Worry, Darling" premiere was going to be the second most ridiculous premiere I'd have heard about. We're going. Maybe to that's the where they were going. Don't worry, darling. All right. Okay. It is. Uh, it's 10 p.m. on a Monday night. Let's go to the premiere. Come on, kids. You'll take care of yourselves. Go upstairs. That stalker won't get you. He draws art. I don't know. I just. But but as as bad as it was, if they put that little stinger at the end, they could have salvaged it a little. Just that one little extra scene at the end of Raw could have saved it a bit. They needed to sell it a little bit more for me, too. I do think commentary. I think we should have had check ins. I feel like we've been missing that for the past couple of weeks when Miz got kidnapped. I was like. Why aren't they calling the police or why aren't they looking into security? Why don't we have updates? Why don't we see the car driving away? Why don't we have footage of that? It's just kind of that was a big that was a big thing in the attitude era. Like when they did the. uh, You know, when they did remote shoots like the Stone Cold going to get somebody or the Undertaker showing up at Vince McMahon's house and they would, you know, Jim Ross, maybe it was because it was a two guy commentary booth. It was just and Ross and, and Lawler had such great chemistry. 
that it was just like they would naturally. But Raw was so quickly paced back then. There was always crazy shit going on. So nowadays, it's just very hard when you have one. Really, I mean, you have the Judgment Day storyline and this, and then the rest of it's wrestling. And so when you have one crazy storyline and nothing to take the your eye off the ball, because back then it would be like, oh, we're going to the McMahon's house and Undertaker's there. But wait a minute, Stone Cold's coming out and he's hitting the, the rock with a chair and they're both in street clothes. And now, you know, mankind's going to the hospital and they're all sort. But now it's like, well, anyway, our, our women's tag team match is coming up and it, you just can't like it's it's a square peg for me. And then it's like. I agree with Tom. I love that stinger idea, by the way. I love, I love, or the tease. I love putting that on at the end. That's a great idea. But again, you need like, it's like, I need somebody to be like, Hey, so-and-so we're leaving the kids with you. They're going to be okay. Right. Yep. Got them. Then you come home. They're passed out. Don't worry. They got sick. I love your idea. Uncle Dexter took care of us, but I mean, none of that happened. Can I ask a question? Do we think Vince McMahon is still watching? Yes, we do. We do think Vince McMahon is watching. Oh, and I think he was screaming. He would have been losing his mind. None of it makes sense. He's such a big logic person. And none of that made logical sense. Like just the stories I heard about when he would close his eyes. Do you ever see him close his eyes at Gorilla? I've seen him close his eyes in a meeting. And it was, I'll tell you who, it was John Laurinaitis. Like three different, three or four different times. It was always John Laurinaitis. And Vince would close his eyes. And for whatever reason, John Laurinaitis, I guess, thought like, wow, he must be thinking about it when really it was just like, dear Lord, take me somewhere else. I'm about to like, he's like, I, I'm grant gonna, me the serenity. I, I might cr- commit homicide right now. And I get like, I just imagining all the just him looking at that. And then although knowing Vince, I bet when they when he turned and he showed the picture, Vince was probably like, well, that's the only good part. <laughs> I like the cartoon, but. Fuck, where are they? Everything else was shit. Who's well, just a goddamn babysitter? Where are the what premiere? But the cartoon, I like that. We sell that in the store. Uh, that's good. I like cartoons. John, I'm <sighs> glad you brought up uh, JR and Jerry the King Lawler because I think there's there's a big, big connection between that and what we're hearing now from the commentary team is JR and the King were both wrestling lifers. The King mm. as an active performer and then later as a broadcaster and Jr. almost his entire career calling pro wrestling and football. But they knew how to tell a story. They were they were opposites as far as their presentation that worked well together. This commentary team, I don't want to hang it all on Jimmy Smith because everything I've ever heard about him is that he's a super nice guy. He's not the right fit. He is a sports guy. He doesn't get the storytelling aspect of this. He seems really lost in a lot of segments. And I like Saxton. I like Graves. The problem with them are they're two guys and I don't want to diminish their, their contribute, their contributions to the wrestling business because both guys worked super hard and for whatever reason, didn't make it as wrestling performers in the ring. And they're both broadcasters now, but neither of them have the gravitas of having been a performer that people can name, that people can look at their face hear their voice and know exactly who they are. And that's also a problem. So there's, it's just, it's this loose commentary that it, that there's no weight to it at all. Corey Graves, just to point out, he had, Corey had a neck injury, I believe. Yeah. And so that's why he was out. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as. How did he get yeah, a neck it just injury? Feels, it also feels like Corey's jumping in a lot when he, when maybe the other guy should. And Corey's supposed to be your like second mic guy. You know, he's supposed to be your lawler. He's supposed to be the guy that comes in, but it's like, he's having to propel the story sometimes. I don't know. I'm not going to blame it. I'm not going to hang this one on commentary. This wasn't them, but I've been, I've been, I've been negative on uh, Corey Graves' commentary before. I will say this in his, on his behalf as a super positive, he's great with Michael Cole and he will be going forward because Pat McAfee's doing football for a little while. I really liked Graves' work with Michael Cole on SmackDown. Me too but I yeah. don't like it when he has to carry the entire three man booth, which is what he's doing on raw. Anyway, uh, do we see any, do they, what do you do at this point? Where do you go from here? What's he doing next week? I mean, you have to do something, but I don't know what's going to be good. I, I don't know where this can go in a, in a direction other than, well, we got to do something. We got to end this somehow. We have to pay this off. I don't, I just don't see any entertaining way to do it. They've boxed themselves in. 
is it possible that maybe this is part of a bigger storyline? Someone got injured, someone didn't agree to return, and all of a sudden now you're just trying to write yourself out of it? I think that might be likely. I also feel like they're writing themselves into a corner with Miz not saying what happened with Loomis. I don't think they have the answer. I think this is another robotic spider where we don't know what's in the cave. <laughs> Jill, you're going to get that call. I, I, I just, yeah, I'm like, Dexter send in Loomis. the robotic spider. You guys He's need to have robot. answers to these questions before you write them. Before yeah, the you get a long-term storytelling is actually having the end of the story written. <laughs> like you don't start us. I think honestly, when I look at Dexter Loomis, I look at a guy that's very striking looking. He's a very scary looking guy. He's got super piercing eyes. And I think that that's what they love about him. But that's not enough. Like you have to. I think they were like, he looks like a psycho. Let's run a psycho ag angle. And now they're like four weeks in and they're like, oh, we should have thought about this. Like it, I, they, I think they're really just throwing it together week to week because it doesn't yeah. feel like there's any coherent, coherent narrative to it at all. Also, has he escaped the police so many times at this point? Like, I don't understand. Like, on NXT, when he said goodbye to his wife, I think in that that storyline, he was arrested. Like, literal police officers, not just security. So why don't they hold this guy down? I'm just this. This story just doesn't make sense anymore. And it's, it's I mean, I don't mind the suspension of disbelief until except for when you have like four plot holes and it's a goofy cartoon. Yeah. I mean, if it's I mean, a, if it's a horror movie, literal, literal you have cartoon to suspend that he holds up. Yeah, there's you know what I think they should do next week. I think that it should be back in the house and then uh, he keeps popping up. And this time at the end, you know, that portrait of Ms. and Maurice, all of a sudden they pan away and then Dexter Loomis is painted into the portrait. <laughs> <laughs> And then they play Midnight and the Stars and You. And that's the end of the angle. He's in a family photo, like at the end of The Shining. He's a, he's a, this is a black and white photo of the Miz family looking like it's from 70 years ago. And there's, there's Dexter Loomis in the front with a Baphomet pose. I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't see any... I don't see anywhere good this is going, but I don't see where anything good is going on Raw at all right now. It's a mess. Yeah, so that's, that's what I think should happen. Just write about it. It's The Shining. The ending doesn't make sense. And then Tom and I can fight about whether or not it's a good movie or not, like we always do with the, the actual Shining. Um, but anyway, let's move on. The Judgment Day. Uh, you know what? That's not, I'm not hating it. <laughs> that's turned around. But it might just be in, in, by for the sake of comparison. Uh, I mean, honestly, the strength of the performers is good. I wish it like if they're serious about going forward with them and it looks like they are. It looks like this isn't going to be like a, a dead angle. It looks like this is going somewhere. They have to book them strong. They have to book them like monsters. And luckily, we had a win finally for Finn Balor, who usually is the guy just taking an ass kicking every single match when the Judgment Day is involved. But he got a big win over Riddle. And granted, there was some interference, but he needs that. Finn needs that. I mean, you already have Priest is basically their monster. And when yep. I, Priest is a guy that when you see him among like normally sized people, he is gigantic. Like he was, he did a, a cooking show when they were in the UK and it was some little British Bake Off lady making food with, with uh, a fully garbed, uh, fully in character, Damien Priest. And it looked like she looked like a child. Like he's just huge. And so they're a scary group, but they need to be booked like it. And they weren't. It was just like for weeks and weeks, they were like, oh, we're this demonic force. Oh, we just lost a match. Oh, well, but we're going to come back. And then we just lost the match. So at least Finn got a big win over Riddle, who they tried to recruit. And so the recruiting drive is also a weird thing where it's like they're trying to bring people in. But they're also a, a group that because they haven't been dominant, it's like, why would I want to join a team that loses every week? So, of course, they're not going to recruit well. And, and so, but they got the big win over Riddle. And then at the end of the night, did you guys like uh, Dominic in the dark before the match? I, I was going to say, what do, what do we think Rhea whispered into Dominic's ear? Hmm. Any guesses? Doesn't matter. The Internet decided for them. I think she leaned in. And very, uh, very delicately said, <laughs> I mean, that. well, 
I don't, I don't know if sense. WWE purposely makes memeable Long-term moments. Booking. I don't think, I don't think they do. I think they just make moments that they think are going to have impact and then they're memeable. Uh, but that definitely was one. Uh, it was a good promo despite unnecessarily like the Elvis Presley lip curl was a bit much. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know who's giving Topical. promo classes, but it, it was it was good. He wants to separate himself from his dad and Rhea Ripley's going to help make that happen. I mean, she's she's doing all the heavy lifting in that relationship. No pun intended. Literally. Yep. But uh, the edge match was OK. I don't know um, if it's helping her, though. Well, she's not wrestling, so I, I think it's I wonder whether down she's, her she's not cleared. I wonder whether uh, she's not healthy enough. I mean, you know, she had a health issue a little while back. Yeah. And she's not wrestling women and she's not wrestling matches. So I can only assume that maybe they're finding a way for her to get healthy while In she which can't case, wrestle. I like John's angle better where she is the mastermind behind all of this. And she sends these men out to fight for her. I think that is a much more compelling angle where you have this badass female in charge. I like that still to me is the most compelling way to make the judgment day happen. Yeah, she's like goth uh, Mickey the trainer from Rocky. You know, she's what? She's, yeah, she's the master. No, the master uh, of. You, did you just compare? I just want to make sure I have this right. Did you just compare Rhea Ripley from WWE to to Burgess Meredith, who also played the Penguin in Batman? They're master motivators. Okay. <laughs> You, you mentioned this to me, and I didn't find it until the end of the show. I think maybe that's where you saw it. But uh, in the crowd, there was someone cosplaying as Tugboat. Uh, <laughs> and I was yep. looking for the goddamn guy all night. I couldn't find him until that, the Judgment Day match. I couldn't find him until Dominic versus Edge. But well, during then, the rest of the show, he was dressed as the Shockmaster. <laughs> well, but here's the creepy thing. So Tugboat was on the opposite side of the ring. But not the real typo, not the well, as far as we know, but near the ring ramp, there was a man who looks like Fred Ottman. And he was standing next to a woman who looked like he was wearing. Remember Dusty Rhodes manager, Sweet Sapphire? She was wearing like her sweater, (laughs) the the yellow polka dots on black. But there was a guy who looked frightening, like frighteningly like Uncle Fred Ottman. That's so weird. (laughs) It's so bizarre. I, that guy was my hero. And I was also just like, imagine the panic that went through Kevin Dunn. Like just all the, like he didn't even have time to make the crowd noises all night. <laughs> or maybe does he, does he lean in and embrace it? Does Kevin Dunn lean into the microphone? And I go, ah, 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 ah. I mean, tugboat is one of the all time goofiest designed characters. I showed it to my son and he laughed for like five minutes. It is very funny in retrospect. It, it's not quite like a sailor. It's not quite like a, a Broadway review star. It's it's just this horrible He's a Popeye character. Yeah. But it's Popeye. It, it, He's Bluto. It, it just it was Bluto. An, it was an unsalvageable character. And the legend that eventually they were going to turn him uh, heel and make him chic tugboat. That was supposed to be the original match instead of Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Instead of Hulk Hogan versus Sergeant Slaughter, it was supposed to be Hulk Hogan versus Sheik Tugboat. <laughs> That's not a legend. That's confirmed. <laughs> yep. Bruce oh. uh, has talked about that on his podcast many times. And oh. that was always a joke out in meetings about we can bring back Sheik Tugboat. Sheik Fred. Uh, but, anyway. But yeah, I, by the way, anybody who cosplays to wrestling events you're the best. I love seeing cosplay around the ring. It is so fun. Especially Tugboat. Man, what a what a deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's That's... next? Iron Mike Sharp? Is the no, guy we're going to have Bastion Booger next week. That's Who would you guys guy. cosplay as? That's a good question. Uh, boy, I don't know. Oh, I know. Uh, I would go as, a, as like who I cosplay as all every day. Vince Russo. <laughs> Vince Russo said something I I agreed with this week. And I I make offhanded, underhanded remarks about television shows. So yeah, I just I show, bro. I mean, yeah, you clean shaven in one shot, you got a beard in the next, bro. Where's the continuity? That's why people aren't tuning in. It's your facial hair. I hate to say this, but I agreed with him one hundred percent on something he said. 
He said a lot this week. He got picked up in a lot of the different uh, sheets for different things he said on his podcast, but I agree with him wholeheartedly. He doesn't see what the big deal is with Dakota Kai and EO Sky. And you know what, no. Vinny Rue? I'm right there with you. I, I don't Rue. get it at all. Yeah, that's, his, that's one of his many monikers. Tom, please don't get us in trouble with anyone else. John, we're trying to get friendly with him. Remember, we want him on the podcast. Anyway. Yeah, um, I don't know if calling him Vinny Rue is going to be. <laughs> anyway. Uh, speaking rate, of goofy yes. character, we talked about goofy characters. But here's one that we all love. And uh, that we dearly, where the hell is our truth? Where is our truth? I haven't seen our truth in about six weeks. I know. Have you? I, I've, I mean, I've seen him in Kevin Owens car. It feels to me like we're not going to see that 24 seven title anytime soon with uh, Hunter running things. Yeah. Or when are we going to get the RIP for that one? Well, I don't but, know if this is why our truth is missing, but so our truth who on Twitter is at Ron killings. Again, uh, another person has a scarier real name than his wrestling name. Yep. Born with a gimmick name and given a different name. Um, yep. His pinned tweet is that his new single, Barnyard Flexin', is out now, available, available on all digital platforms, and the video is out. So he's, it seems like he's focusing on, on his music right now. I know that I've seen several posts from him about his music, and I don't know whether that is the reason why he's been off TV. Uh, I don't. I think it's one of those creative doesn't have anything for him, which is such a shame because oh, when so creative good. doesn't have anything in general, they would trot him out like, hey, truth, go be funny. Oh, right. He's and so, so now they're like, well, we have a hundred other people that we didn't have a month ago. Sorry, truth. Uh, stay at home this week. I, I, I wish they would find something like for maybe him put do. him on commentary, you know, for a oh, segment or two. Dude, like He would be so good. That, you know what? Try it. Right. Yeah, like you might you, like, like, see, that was my, like, that's something where I could see, but see, he's a victim of Vince loved our truth. Yeah. Loved, loved, loved him. Like was streamlining him to the hall of fame kind of loved him. And you wonder if it's just that sort of thing that Vince isn't there anymore. But you know, we talked to, we'll skip around a little bit here because it segues into what I want to talk about next. Julie and I, we were talking about this. Because of the weekend that AEW and WWE were competing against each other of competing pay-per-views. And could they ever do a pay-per-view together, like oh, for charity or something yes. like this? And we came up with the concept. It's called, it's not money ball, it's funny brawl. And it is a pay-per-view that is exclusively the funniest wrestlers in wrestling, where you would have our truth, where you would have Sami Zayn, where you would have Dan Housen. Orange Cassidy. Tom, what's the name of the guy who makes pizzas when he's wrestling? Oh, Luigi Primo. You get he Luigi make a, Primo. He make a great, he make a, the best pizza. The best of pizza on the, the charity show. You get Frank the Clown. Uh, you, you get all the funniest people to come together and just put on. And you wouldn't even, you wouldn't tell anyone what's going on. It would just all be, it would be a two hour, just the, the funniest of the funniest. Where just once a year you get to laugh and feel good. Can you imagine Dan Housen and our truth? I mean, that's like John Cruck and Randy Johnson at the baseball all-star game in 1993. Just holy shit, so much fun. Like that's it's funny brawl. That's what I want to do. Just once I mean, a year. Who would throw out Dan Housen when he has the deadly dick punch as his finishing maneuver lately? <laughs> he threw another one of those the other night. He tried to curse oh, someone bring, and he did he threw the dick punch again. And then you could bring back, and then uh, you could bring back uh, Dustin as Gold Dust. Give him a one-off where he comes back as Gold. Just all the funniest things, and just like yes, but electrocuted Gold Dust, John. Remember when he got electrocuted? Yes, and he had he oh. had Tourette's syndrome for some reason from the electrocution. He was on Howard Stern with yep. that. Yeah, you bring back bring back Booker with him. Oh, you have Big Booker doing the spin a Rooney, and then Dan Housen puts up his hand. He says, "Nope," and he does the Pee Wee Herman dance. And that's, that's how you blow it off at the end. And I know everyone, I, and Julie, Julie knows who I'm talking about. There's people that would listen to this and go, oh, I hate comedy and wrestling. Okay, well, what the fuck do you call that Dexter Loomis shit last night? That's my first question. And second of all, um, just once a year, just for fun, where it's just like, we're just gonna have a good time and get together and just be funny. Because the funny thing is, People would mock it, but you know wrestlers would be lining up going that aren't funny, going, oh, I'm funny. I want to be in the uh, funny pay-per-view because I'm hilarious. And you'd have too many people lining up. And Dolph Ziggler could bring Nathan Fielder. It would be great. Just have Paul Heyman run through the, have, have Paul run through the ring randomly. <laughs> 
just have like a have like a like a tiger chasing Paul Heyman through the ring randomly, and he just has to run consistently. There's no backstory, just fun, and it, it'd have the Benny Hill song for Paul the whole time. <laughs> it'd be so great. Speaking I mean, of funny things, though, there's one last WWE thing I want to talk about, and it's that uh, the Undertaker did another one dead man show. Did he really? He did, and I did it again. I I sent him some jokes. And I don't know if he used, I don't think he used any, but do you mind if I run just one joke by you guys just to, just to try it? All right. It's completely original, not based on anything else. I was an ugly baby. I mean, really ugly. When I was born, the doctor choke slammed my mother. Peace. I can't get any peace to rest in at all. I tell you. <laughs> anyway, if you want to see if that shows up on Funny Brawl or on Monday Night Raw, WWE Monday Night Raw airs Monday nights at 8 on USA. And then there's Friday Night Smackdown, Friday nights on Fox. They both air at 8 p.m. That's been the Raw Recap. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's now on to AEW and sometimes why. AEW and sometimes why. So <laughs> this is kind of like a, a slightly better Dexter Loomis because I don't know because like at least maybe it's kind of real. It's at least at least there's no one drawing cartoons of each other. That's so I'll say this one's better. I feel like this week I should just like throw to Julie for the entire segment. <laughs> I, I like we've poisoned her. She is now an AEW stan, or at the very least, a CM Punk one. But I am. Uh, I was. I was elated to see how lit up our Slack was with AEW talk for the last week. Yeah, that's why I deleted Slack and our TikTok too. On the TikTok, Julie did a great job, and Tom, you did a great job explaining the backstory. I mean, that was like a documentary. You you summed up like it was like I felt like I was hearing like. Like a like a historical Ken Burns take on the backstory of CM Punk and Colt Cabana and a crazy trainer and a dog named Larry. And I was Julie made my incoherent rant sound very coherent. uh, But someone in the comments definitely pointed out like, well, if if you don't know anything about the lawsuit between uh, Colt Cabana and CM Punk, then this doesn't make any sense. Like that would have been a whole show (laughs) would have been a whole show. There's no, I mean, it wouldn't have even, it would have taken up the whole video just to explain half of that. So, My favorite thing's going to be when they show up on Judge Joe Brown and people are still like, nope, it's totally real. <laughs> nah, guys, they're, they're on like Judge Judy today. I'm pretty sure it's a work. Nope, still real. Those are all shoot fights on the court TV shows. They did go back and listen to the Colt Cabana episode. There are two of them, and I've only listened to the first one because it's so long. It's nearly two hours long. And I was floored at, at everything punk. I believe it. Them sending his termination papers on his wedding day is the pettiest bullshit I have ever heard in my life. I mean, that is like that. That's human trolling. That is just so gross. But I mean, the fact that you worked there, Julie, and you believe the story that's a lot more credence than someone like me believing it. Well, I, I also want to point there. out that's it's not just WWE. That's entertainment. There's yeah. a lot of that shit that goes on in TV based uh, offices. Yeah. I'm not going to say much more, but you both know what I'm talking about. I've heard of pettier firings. <laughs> I <laughs> Maybe think- not necessarily at WWE, but I, yeah, I've been through one. I yeah. think the thing that bothers me the most about pro wrestling, though, is that these wrestlers put their body through intense hell and the fact that there is no union for these wrestlers on top of that to me is really where i'm like yeah i draw the line there that that's that's tough 
Allegedly, Tom, wasn't Jesse Ventura kind of blackballed for a while? Am I getting that wrong? Was he the one? Someone did try to set Yep. He tried to unionize and, and uh, that didn't work. But yeah, he was the one that, that started that talk. Because Jesse has always been, he's a smart guy and yep. he's an outspoken guy and he's a working class guy. So he was, he was the one trying to put it together and Hogan squashed that. Hogan and, and Vince, of course. I will say that if I have one major criticism of Tony Khan, and I, I, I really only have this one because despite the fact that he's had some unhinged tweets and stuff, I think he's done a pretty good job. I think he's done a phenomenal job in the face of what's been going on lately. But if there's one criticism I have, it's that when AEW was formed, there was a lot of talk of, their, of it being unionized, and it didn't happen. Well, how can you unionize one, one company? Like it would have to be a union, like for instance, you know, in television, you have the director's guild, you have the the screen actors guild, you have the writer's guild, it covers everything. So if you're going to have a union, it would have to cover all you'd have to. And then, you know what that does? It brings it right back to the NWA. It's like the territory days again. And so of course, Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon aren't going to want that. And also what are the, what are the odds Tony Khan and, and Triple H are going to get together or Stephanie, I guess it would be and agree on union terms. There's never going to happen. Yeah, no, I didn't think it was feasible, but I do remember the chatter and I remember it going away very quickly when the formation of the company happened. I do think Tony takes care of his people and I do think that he pays them fairly. I, I haven't heard anything to the other to, you know, to suggest otherwise. So a couple of things I want to ask about. So first of all, did you see the clips that people these are real, I guess. The Tony Khan reactions to CM when they got that someone got an isolated shot on Tony Khan during CM Punk making those comments. And someone must have put it to the curb song by now. Tom, do you know what I'm talking about? Did you see Tony's reactions? Yeah, man, I felt them like those were really human reactions to what was going on. And I think everybody, anybody watching that clip, you've been there and you've Did felt you think that it was way. real. Oh, yeah. You still think it was real. Yeah. I don't so think you've Tony, turned. You thought it was a work at first. Um, I, I think it's a work and I think it's a shoot. I think it's in the middle. I think they're making it work oh, for them. That's yeah. what I think. I think they're just making it work for them. Well, is so there was a lot of things. A, a lot of chatter was out there that like punk worked all of this out beforehand. And I, I yes. think a lot, of, a lot of people like to really discount how good a talker punk is by saying, oh, he worked it out. He scripted it out. Because I've heard that about him in WWE before, too. And it's like, you know, some of us just have the gift of gab. He clearly does. I don't I can't see him rehearsing that for hours beforehand. If he did, hey, it, it worked. But I don't think so. I think a lot of that was off the cuff. And I think a lot of that did make legitimate reactions from poor Tony Khan, who uh, was mortified by I don't think Tony knew all of it. I mean, so th there's a few things that I saw, like, con very, very consistent themes throughout, like the diehards and the wrestling journalists and all that. I saw a lot of chatter. I'm sorry, that, the what now? Yeah, the wrestling uh, journalists. No one can see this is audio, so no one can see me do the air quotes. Um, there was a very consistent narrative that not everything is a work. Yeah, but this is a business that is known mostly as a work. No one seems to know where the line is. And no one, I mean, years and years later on certain subjects, nobody really knows. And some people may never know how close to a shoot or work things were. I mean, that's just legend. But John, you've been in TV. Julie, you've been in TV. You know how much of just the entertainment business is a work backstage. And yep. people don't think so. People think that there's a lot of, you know, that just happenstance and coincidence and i don't believe oh, in no there's of those. i mean like any so many quote spontaneous talk show moments are not at all spontaneous that would never ever happen there's a reason the show's taped in advance here's my thing with the the uh the cm punk thing is that so my mom so i didn't bring this up during our little twitter fight because goddamn i didn't want to bring family members into this but like so my mom is a newspaper editor she is a retired newspaper and i told her i started telling her the story and she said were the cops called? And I said, what do you mean? And she goes, is there a police report? And I said, oh, I've not heard of a police report. And she said, we would never report like there's nothing to report then. She said nothing like this could pot like she said someone got bit. Someone threw a chair. She said that, that there would be a, in Chicago. She's like, there would be a police report. There's cops like all over the place. And then I thought about it from the arena standpoint. I'm like, well, there's cameras all over the place, too. 
there's security cameras every five feet backstage at an arena and there's no police report. And then there's, we, there's, so now Tony Khan has hired an, an, a third party, an independent investigator to, to track things down. And you know what? I've said this to both of you. It's going to end up being Dan Housen with a magnifying glass. <laughs> and he's just going to go, I got him. And then, and then he and Dexter Loomis are going to high five and then ride off on a scooter away. Well, I'm somebody who, that's gonna, the wrestling's going to be canceled again. I'm somebody who has lived his life basically industry adjacent. Uh, I'm a stand-up comedian who has had access to some very brilliant and wonderful and successful people. I'm somewhere <laughs> below that. And over the last week or so, I've had to retell the story of the AEW press conference and subsequent uh, potential fight backstage. And I will just say this, this sampling of three adults that I know, all three very bright people. One happens to be a movie and television director. One happens to be a television producer. And the other one happens to be a successful podcaster. All three of them, not wrestling fans, all three of them, independent of one another, all said it's a work. Without even knowing what a work is, they said it was a work. So I'm going to... I'm going to like lean on them because they know more than I do as far as entertainment goes. And I know wrestling and it just seems so worky. And you know what? It's working. I'm intrigued. It's brought in a lot of people going, what the fuck is going on over there? And, and you have to know you want it, it, It's, it's just, there is something about AEW's drama going on right now that is so massively more compelling than what's going on on a very contrived, very like rigid, structured, almost children's show over on the other channel at WWE. And almost. What are you talking about? Someone's drawing cartoons <laughs> for everyone's kids. Oh, I, I, mean, I wanted like, to mention Captain this kangaroo for Christ's sake. This dovetails into the next thing. Kids, we, Captain Kangaroo is a person for. Ah, never mind. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> this dovetails into the next thing we wanted to talk about. Is um, I saw. I didn't know this prior, but so MJF comes to the ring with this kind of very annoying but earworm music. It's kind of like a hip-hop beat, but it's just, it's the type of song that you don't like it, and then it's in your brain, and it stays there forever. That is royalty-free music. That is music that could travel with MJF to another company. I thought that was super interesting. Just like the Cody Rhodes situation where Cody took the downstate song that he had in AEW with him to WWE because they didn't, they didn't own it at AEW. They didn't own any of Cody Rhodes's IP. He had that worked out. So that brings me to my next point is that all these rumors about talent reaching out to WWE, you buying it? Young bucks? Reaching I mean, they out have, to WWE? They have friends in the industry. Of course they're reaching out, but I don't think it's, I don't think they're, calling triple h and going hey what up but that would Paul? be if you were really trying to sell a work that'd be part of the work i mean andy kaufman spent three nights in traction in the hospital that he paid for so if you're really trying to work you would be calling you would call wwe like and go you'd call the front desk by the andre the giant statue that amanda has the picture by and say hello this is the young bucks we would like to talk to mr triple h and i'm sure he would say the fuck definitely no like he wouldn't even take that he'd be like because they have trolled them they've gone there before so like yeah i mean yeah. i'm sure it could be all who do you see tom you want to talk about this i mean so who steps in with punk out because i mean even if it's this crazy work he's still injured so it's like you still it's like oh wow it's like someone hits stone cold who's it going to be well they wwe had guys lined up well who are going to be the guys lined up and AEW say this is all just a thing. Who's who's going to keep the show on the road for them? Well, I would include Omega and the Bucks in there too because they're out as well. So that creates a talent vacuum, injury wise or just suspension. They're, so as it's been sold to us by AEW, they're suspended pending the investigation on what happened. So by they, the myst, mystical third party, right? With the but, police report, and are they also, also injured? I thought I heard they might be injured too. No, maybe not. No, well, not to the severity that Punk was. Like none of them sure. ha- went to, to go have surgery. But I know that another odd wrinkle was that. So the Bucks have the being the elite uh, BTE YouTube show. Oh yeah, and it's really fun. Was, well, and that was canceled this week. 
not canceled for good, but they're not doing an episode. So I, th- I thought that was an interesting little wrinkle too, that I can't quite get my head around, but they, there's a, so there's a pretty big vacuum at the top of, of AEW right well, now. They're not showing up on family feud. So, you no. know, at <laughs> I was least just going like, to say, I was just going to say the they're correctly. keeping track of their gimmick. Yep. Yeah. You know, just, um, just, just for shits and giggles, WWE should send Dexter Loomis there. Um, and and but we want himself in the tank and he can't answer he he just he just stares every time they call on him he should just go sit in the front row and just sit there there's nothing that says he can't do that that's funny he just starts but he just starts showing up you know who i realized dexter loomis is he's not a heel he's just someone in the background on the today show he's just someone that doesn't know how to hold a sign or like look normal on the tv shit send him there Send him there's there. a scene. You know who he is? There's a scene on King of Queens where Patton, Patton Oswald, uh, just stands there in the living room and he doesn't do anything. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a scene in King. That's maybe that's Dexter's gimmick is that he's just oh like back in the days. That's the stander. The standers here. Ah, he just stands around. He, uh, he loiters. He's a loiterer. Trademark them both, Erica. <laughs> All right. So uh, to, to fill the void of CM Punk and the elite, um, I don't want to discount Moxley, but it was reported that Moxley was supposed to go on vacation and because <laughs> of these suspensions had to stay and has to work. Good and man. so good man. Uh, he's I mean, and that's a guy that WWE didn't see as a company man. And I don't know if there's a bigger company man in AEW than John Moxley. And he has put on excellent work, but I do think that he is due for a break because he has done everything they have asked of him and 10 times more. And I I'm do think you, he's due a break. He's going to blow out a quad just on uh, his entrance to the ring. Yeah. But, but again, um, does, this he is wear his Apple watch? does he wear his, his watch to the ring? Can't keep track of how many steps he's got. Cause I mean, that's a lot of steps. He wears, he wears his fossil watch to the got his Fitbit. He's like, oh, I'm just get my steps. I'm gonna walk around the the loge a little bit and circle back. You guys go to commercial. We'll start the match in uh, 20 minutes. Well, so despite his excellent work, let's remove him from the equation because I think he's due for some time off, and I hope he gets it. So, who- so now we're going to the tournament and looking at what is going on there. It would be fascinating to see his polar opposite, which is Sammy Guevara defeat him somehow using shenanigans is not, I don't think that they should have him like beat him clean, but Sammy Guevara versus Brian Danielson would be a very interesting title final. I mean, so Guevara is a guy I'm Cuban American. He's Cuban American. He drives me nuts because he does so many stupid things that it are just beyond the pale in his private life. He has done he's done some monstrously bad social media work that he's gotten suspended for and sent to anger management classes and sensitivity classes for uh, good on Tony Khan for doing that. By the way, he recognized that this was a talented kid that needed some work, but he continues to do dumb things, including <laughs> dumping never a good poor- sign when it's never a good sign when Tony Khan's like, dude, your Twitter behavior, just, <laughs> you, you sir, to- are unhinged. Yeah, you um, got to you got to learn the social media, man. So Sammy is a, hey, is a one is other a, quick thing. The fact that Tony Khan has not been tweeting during all this is very unusual. The guy who's very tweets from the heart. Yep. Just saying. Tweets well, from I, the heart. What a what a great bio he should add in there. It's just tweets from dude, the heart. If I logged on tomorrow and his and he or Danhausen had tweets from the heart, tweets man, the- my life would be made. It would be the best. <laughs> well, I'd be a lot I'd, I'd be a lot more um bullish on Sammy Guevara if he didn't just dump Ruby Soho on her head and almost broke her neck. Uh, he has some real... <laughs> Julie, I'm surprised you haven't brought that up. That's your yeah. friend. I'm angry Ruby. about that. I really am. That Go looked off. really bad. And it, it was shitty. Doing? That was, was that looked awful, but I hope she's just okay. Just a broken nose, but man, that looked like... Yeah, it's that, a minor miracle she didn't snap her neck. I mean, from the angle that she fell, I mean, she fell on the top of her head and her neck went completely 90 degrees. So yeah. it was gross and it was a gross lapse in judgment. I don't think Sammy's winning the title. I think that's going to go to the hardest working man in show business right now, uh, Brian Danielson. And I, we there all love go. Brian Danielson. 
He's the perfect guy to be the champion right now because he's a guy. You know what? He remi- the run he's on right now reminds me of the run that The Rock was on after The Rock completely blew up when he was a babyface because Rock would put anybody over. He didn't care if it was better for the company, if it was better for the story, it was, if it was going to build a star that The Rock could feud with. The Rock would lay his shoulders on the mat and take the one, two, three if he felt it was going to help. And The well, Rock lost a shit ton of matches, a lot more than guys like Triple H and Stone Cold. So Brian Danielson has lost his fair share of matches. Have any of them been bad? Not a one. Every single match that guy is in, he busts his ass. His, his storytelling and his vicious streak in AEW is different. He wrestles a completely different style than he did in WWE in AEW. I think he's the right guy to put the strap on right now. I think he is the guy that you can look to as this people's champion type guy. Everybody loves him. He's already way over and he makes a compelling champion to, to go forward with. As far as the vacuum from the other guys, I thought that six man tag, the uh, trios tournament where death triangle went over best friends and orange Cassidy. I think orange Cassidy and Pac is money. You have, opposite guys you have a comedy character who is way more than that and you have Pac super serious Pac looks like you know Pac like he doesn't look like a a human like he looks like a demon (laughs) he looks like a demon that crawled out of hell just all muscles and stringy hair and his face barely like he looks like like this this imp from hell and he's so talented and those two guys are such opposites I think there's big money there. They teased a feud between them. They had a great six-man tag with their with their uh, you know their their tag team partners. Uh, I think the Lucha Bros. Those are two guys that are super talented. I and I I don't talk about them nearly enough on this show, but they are two Latino performers who were highly regarded by WWE and very very much in vogue. And they were recruited and they opted not to go. And they instead went with a startup in AEW, and it was the right choice. They saw what happened to guys like the Mexicools, even a guy like Eddie Guerrero and Chavo Guerrero, who had a storied history. They still did some stuff that was mildly insensitive that I'm sure that they wouldn't have chosen for themselves, that that was WWE management going, hey, you guys are Mexicans, you steal stuff. So they opted to go to AEW, and they can wrestle their style uh, that six-man tag with Death Triangle and Best Friends and Orange Cassidy, you just can't see that on WWE television. You just won't. You can't see it on their free TV. You can't see it on their premium live events. You can't even see a match like that at WrestleMania. They just work a different style. It's more slow. It's deliberate. The high spots are limited. I mean, and that makes AEW a very compelling product just from the standpoint of action. But now with this backstage drama... There's there's something so compelling about everything. So there's I mean, and and I haven't even said anything about MJF yet. You get the biggest heel in the business is back and he's at he's poised prominently at the top of your card. He has the the uh, chip, the uh, the ladder match chip where he can cash in and get uh, a championship match. So he's going to be lurking right at the top. You have Wardlow, super over TNT champion, huge guy. Everybody loves him. Got some steam back recently and looks like he's back on a good trajectory. They have an unbelievably bright future. And they have so many performers that they can just lean on with all these guys missing. I think they're fine. Real quick, uh, Dan Housen went to Hawaii over the weekend. Did you guys uh, take a look at any of his pictures? I have not. I have not. He's so good at social media. Apparently, Dan Housen went surfing. So there's a new. (laughs) Was it on a coffin? The picture did not look specific. uh, The picture did not look especially real, but it was nice to see. I don't know that Dan Housen actually morphed into the silver surfer, but if he did, all the more power to him. I did see him wearing a Burberry hat. Yes, that he got. He wanted to be. Now he wants to match with NJF. <laughs> He's so good at social media, Tommy. I think. I think you're right. I think AEW is hitting all of these story angles that satisfy what we need in 2020 entertainment. 
The one thing that I think it's missing, John, is something that you've talked about a lot, which is you need to get them on talk shows and yep. cameo spots on movies in the mainstream conversation, yeah, not just. Thing, that's the thing with NBC Universal, though, is that they own, you know, it's all those shows and they have the deal with WWE. And so then where else do you go? Like ABC is probably not going to do it. So where are you going? Cordon, maybe? I don't know. I, mean, I don't think, like, that, I don't think they need it. I don't think they need it because they're that so. That is good. something that's been hurting AEW, in my opinion, is that you don't have those places to go like you did in the '90s to get over to the masses because no one in late morning or late night is putting you on the show right now. But I think that that's a strength because where are they? They're on the internet. I mean, they—they they are AEW Dark. Is you know we're taping on Tuesday. It's tonight. That's on YouTube. They look at Danhausen. Look at Orange Cassidy. Look at how great. Both of them are at social media. That doesn't cost Tony Khan a dime unless he has some kind of language written into their contracts where they have to do X amount of, uh, you know, they have to get X amount of clicks or they have to get X amount of engagement. I don't think he does. I think those guys, they're trying to sell their T-shirts. They're trying to sell their merch and they're on the Internet doing great stuff all the time. And it doesn't cost doesn't cost Tony Khan any human money. But here's my issue with that, Tommy, is that I would not know who those two individuals are if I wasn't friends with you. Correct. If, if I wasn't doing a wrestling <laughs> podcast every single week. So here's why I think I think Dan Housen's close, though. And I, the reason I bring this up is that uh, for an HR seminar at work in one of the slides, there was a photo of Dan Housen. No. What? Uh, yeah, and that was like I forget what it was for, that's but I said, impressive. Oh, that's, "When you make us, when you make an HR slideshow, you're over." Right? Yeah, yeah. there was a lot of uh, a lot of human attentions to that slide, and we talked about it later. Good on but, two, quick, two quick things about Danhausen. Um, so in the match, so right now Danhausen, he's wrestling a match tonight, by the way, on AEW Dark uh, on YouTube. And so he hasn't been wrestling as much because Tequila. he has been kind of tasked with being the manager for Orange Cassidy and the best friends, which makes no sense yet works so well and is a great way to get him on television. He got an ovation for the most ridiculous thing I've maybe ever seen. So at the beginning of the match, Death Triangle, uh, Penta El Cero Miedo, he does a thing where he tosses his glove at the manager, their manager. So he tossed the glove to the manager. Manager catches it. Orange Cassidy is the opposite side of the ring. He's starting the match against Penta. He takes off his sunglasses and chucks them over oh, yeah. the ring to Danhausen, who grabs them effortlessly with one hand and gets a standing ovation. Just <laughs> anything he does is money. And then there was the dick punch on the outside that everybody loved. He is just, everything he does is so funny and so compelling. He's just one of those guys that no matter how great or poor he is in the ring, and I think he's somewhere in the middle. I think he's a good wrestler, but I don't, I don't see him as a main eventer, but he's a guy that needs to be on TV every single week. He's just, there's something about him as a character, but there's also something about him as a human being. If you don't follow Danhausen on Twitter, he's AD. Uh, on Twitter at Danhausen AD, his pinned tweet is his engagement photos with his uh, now wife Lulu da du- Lulu la Duchess de Rier. She is a big time uh, uh, burlesque dancer, um, and so for a while they were like a long distance relationship. They've talked about it on social media, and I think um, I've I've seen some interviews with Danhausen where he he's talked about their relationship. Um, out of character. And so there is something so human about Donovan Danhausen, the person when that, when he lets that person out, he seems like such a genuinely sweet guy. And there was one Twitter exchange. I'll never forget that. I saw it. It's still in there somewhere on his, on his timeline, but someone asked him why his wife doesn't accompany him to the ring as a valet. And he just went back and was like, why would she do that? She's one of the best burlesque dancers in the world. And that was the sweetest thing because that's somebody putting over his wife. And that's something that like I can relate to. I have a successful wife that I love to put over every single chance I get. And it's, it just, it rang so sweet and so true to me 
And it for I, I'm a forever fan from that alone. But he's a guy that there's so much potential for him beyond AEW. And I think yeah. AEW made the smart call by bringing him in because he was legit just a comedy indie guy. And they took the chance on him. Now it's Tony Khan's turn to shell out the bucks and sign Luigi Primo. I think that that's the next. <laughs> Honestly, where's the downside? Do it. Sign uh, him up. He's I love all Luigi elite. Primo, but I don't know. I'm willing. But Julia, you had one last question about Dan Housen. Yeah, John, I just want to, since, since you are a lifelong fan of WWE and you also worked there, do you think Dan Housen works on WWE? Could WWE do anything like Dan Housen? Um, ah, boy, I don't know, man. I mean, I think that. I think Dan Housen's just fine in AEW. And also, I mean, just look at, the, they had, they had Bray Wyatt in WWE, you know, and I, I love Dan Housen, but I think even Dan Housen would say Bray Wyatt's Bray Wyatt. And you could and figure it out with the Firefly Funhouse. So, well, and I, also, I also say, important to point out, my gut that, says yes, but my mind says, look at the facts. Probably not. From what we know of Dan Housen, it really seems like, he comes up with all that stuff on his own. There's very yeah, little production on Dan Housen because if you watch his independently produced YouTube stuff, if you see him on the socials, that's him. Nobody's writing that for him. That's him. So when he's on AEW, you can tell there's very little change. There's, it's not like he, like there's the, the, the character's a little bigger and a little broader on television, but it's still him. And that's the only way it works. If you overproduce somebody like Dan Housen, it's over. You're going to kill him. I just, I feel like if we're not seeing our truth right now, I don't think there's any way you'd see Dan Housen. And that's no, no knock on either one. But if you want to see Dan Housen and everybody else in AEW, AEW Dynamite, Wednesday at 8 on TBS. And then there's AEW Rampage, Friday at 10 on TNT. And this has been AEW and Sometimes Why. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, review, give us a nice five-star review if you liked season one of Turnbuckles. And don't forget to follow us on TikTok at Turnbuckles Pod, just like we are on Instagram. I'd usually say let the writers dress like writers, but Julie, I saw our friend Ben in the background the other night wearing slacks and white sneakers. I think they might be letting what? the writers dress like writers. There you go. And I'm going to take credit for it. There you go. You're welcome, Ben. We miss you. And if you're feeling like you want to dress like Tugboat, then dress like Tugboat. Amen. See ya, Buckleheads. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.